Hello, everyone. It is Jeff from Honor Combat and Survival. Welcome to podcast episode number 193. Now, if you've been following our work for any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard me relate that you need to look at a survival bug-out scenario the same way that we as soldiers look at a military mission on the battlefield. In other words, your goal is to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible without engaging in any enemy contact along the way. Now, that enemy can take on any number of threats when it comes to a true disaster, collapse, or attack. And this week, I'm really excited to introduce you to our newest addition to our network of instructors for a deep dive on the biggest mistakes most people make when it comes to planning your forced bug-out evacuation response. And this comes through the eyes of a Green Beret who had actually had to bug out to save his own life. All that and more coming right up, and don't worry about taking notes, because we've done all the work for you with our trusty show notes, including a full transcription and a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points that you can download, print out, and keep on hand as a reference checklist. All you have to do is head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 193 and download it all absolutely free. And now, let's jump into our broadcast. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Once you got serious about prepping, it was most likely the first thing that you put together to prepare for a crisis, disaster, or collapse. It's your bug out bag. And in an emergency, it's supposed to be the one thing that will get you through and help you survive. But surviving a forced evacuation requires more than just a cool looking battle backpack and a case of MREs. Even though that's exactly what you'll see in so many online blogs, forums, and Facebook pages. The reality is that in many cases, the information you find littered all over the web can do more to create more danger for you than it can to help you protect yourself and those you love during a crisis. So, what is the right way to prepare your bug out bag and your evacuation plan for a disaster, crisis, or collapse? Well, who better to ask than a special forces soldier who had actually had to bug out for his very own survival? And the answers are coming right up in this week's episode. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with us today to talk about the critical bug-out bag mistakes and bug-out plan mistakes that you might be making is my guest, Jeff Kirkham. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, Je thanks, Jeff. I appreciate being on here. No, it's great. I'm really looking forward to this. I've been following your stuff for a long time now. I'm really excited about getting your uh, your information out to our, to our audience. And uh, I know this is going to be awesome because I have some really cool questions for you. Uh, listen, everyone, if you, if you aren't already aware of his work, the, the joke around their office, is that Jeff, if, if, if a Neanderthal, James Bond, and Q had a baby, it would be Jeff, all right? He's spent about 29 years as a Green Beret doing multiple classified details for the U.S. government with just over eight years boots on the ground in Afghanistan and Iraq as a member of the Counterterrorist Direct Action Unit. Now, Jeff has had more training and real-life experience in survival and tactical situations than just about anyone and has turned his experience into multiple published books, a few registered patents, such as the well-known rat's tourniquet, 
and his passion project, ReadyMan, a member-based training platform that taps into the experience of multiple real-world operators looking to become better prepared and to help others become better prepared as well. Now you can find out more about Jeff and ReadyMan at www.readyman.com. So Jeff, I, I really have been looking forward to this uh, this conversation. This is kind of a this is a passion topic for me, and I always like to get other military members as well in here because I'm sure like like you. Well, I, I know you've had to at times literally live out of a backpack. I know you know what it's like, but you've also had the unique experience of actually having to bug out to safety when you had foreign troops that you befriended as a special forces operative. And in a war zone, they decided to actually turn on you and kill you. And these experiences have led you to determine that 90% of all bug out plans people are putting together are death traps. So what was it about your experience that led you to this conclusion? I, I think, you know, I think the biggest thing that, that folks run into or that people run into is first and foremost, they don't have a plan. They just, I, I, you know, a lot of people that are out there, certainly none of the listeners, right? But, um, but I think, I think the problem that a lot of people have is they're like, well, I've, I've got my bug out bag and, and I've got my food supply and I'm good to go. And, and essentially the planning ends from there. And the, and the reality is, um, you know, when, when a, when a critical situation happens, it's like all of a sudden you start figuring out how many holes are in your plan. And even, even some of the best thought out, um, you know, escape and evade plans or bug out bag or bug out plans, like what, you know, is the common term now, you all of a sudden start finding out it's like, man, I, I didn't think of that and I didn't think of this and I didn't think of, you know, a lot of people have bug out bags, but they haven't taken into account that, you know, they can't carry it or they've never taken it out and they've never tested it or they've got three or four small children that they've got to, they've got to live out of that bag too. And so it's like first and foremost, I think what we've seen is, is planning is the, is the big shortfall. Yeah. And everybody seems to become very gear focused because it's really, I mean, that kind of, it's like a false sense of confidence. You think if you've got the gear, then all you have to do is just put it into, into action whenever the time might come. But I'm sure when you were evading, you know, other operatives in a battle zone that were that were coming after you, it wasn't just about thank goodness I have my trusty Swiss Army knife on me out of my back pocket or whatever. It really is more about the, well, not just the planning, but it sounds like all those also the contingency planning, like being prepared for whatever might come your way as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's like the old saying, Jeff. I mean, you remember this from the military. The old saying of a hundred pounds of lightweight gear still weighs a hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and if you, and if people think that they're going to move, remember, you know, when bugging out, one of the things that we like to, you know, that we like to tell our folks is, look, if you're bugging out, that means you have some place to go. Like just arbitrarily running into the hills is essentially a plan for failure at that point. And so you've got to have some place that you're going and we're big fans. We, we test it out. Um, quite a few of the different bug out bag systems that were out there. And that's where we came to the conclusion. And then based off of my experience as well was, Hey, lightweight gear, um, is, is the way to go. Because remember, you're going from point A to point B. You're bugging out to go somewhere, whether that's a, you know, an emergency preparedness area, your church or your neighbor or your cabin in the mountains or whatever that is. And, and being lightweight and being able to move faster 
means that you have less time under stress. The longer you're out in the field, the longer that you're in the mountains, the longer you're out in the open, the more time exists for the situation to deteriorate. In our case, the longer it was for people to catch up with us. Um, And then also the longer your body is under that stress as well. Because, you know, what we, you know, first and foremost, that I think that people run into is they are absolutely not prepared for the level of exhaustion that that comes to play when doing one of these type of activities or doing one of these type of events or because I mean if you think back Jeff when you were in when you were in basic training and that's probably the the uh, you know the best example I can think of is like basic training you're just you're absolutely bone tired all of the time and that that is starting to meet the level of exhaustion that you run into at, at that time. And, and, and a lot of people aren't prepared for that. And if you're humping around or carrying around 100 pounds of lightweight gear, that exhaustion comes on oh so much faster. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and also I think and – and it is one of the reasons why people are – they find themselves unprepared when the time comes because – they might be training for something entirely different, or they might think that their training will will transfer over to something like that. I mean, we, we talked like the, the worst case scenario of of carrying a backpack for many miles because the, the the roads are all they're one big parking lot. You don't have enough. You know, we're going to talk more about kind of like the, the the planning process, but just to feed off of what you're saying with the training, if somebody is out there and they go to the gym a lot and they're lifting weights a lot, and okay, well. I'm, I'm strong. I know I can handle a backpack on my back because I can do squats and things like that. That doesn't translate. Even same thing if you are like a long distance runner or you're doing interval training or something like that. The only way we've ever been able to train for going long distances with a backpack is putting on a backpack and going for long distances. And it does work your muscles differently. It, you, it, it programs your body's energy systems differently. It, it is different. That's why a, a marathon runner looks different than a bodybuilder who's trying to go out on stage and stuff like that. So it's a really good point that unfortunately people might find out the hard way when it when it actually comes time to put that into into face. But you touched on a few other things that I want I want to talk about here. So you know we we I, whenever we I'm talking about bugging out there and a lot even in like our webinars and stuff like that, I always talk about viewing it like um like it's a military mission, especially if it's during a real spit hits the fan type event where you have other people around you that aren't prepared that might be, you know, a threat. But in other words, like a military mission, your goal is to get from point A, which might be a danger area, or it's your starting point, and you want to get to point B, which is like your safety zone. And you talk about, you know, where where you can go and what to do and, and things like that. But right now what I'm thinking about are the threats. So you have to, when in the military, you're going from point A to point B. Your goal is to get there safely as well. So you have to evade all kinds of threats along the way. Now, the threats may be different in a disaster or collapse than they are in the battlefield, but they can be just as dangerous. So in your opinion, what would you say are the, the top external threat factors that people don't think about? And how do you cope with those when, when bugging out? You know, one of the, you know, we had one of our, our good friends that's part of the Ready Man community that was in Florida just recently when the hurricane was hitting. And, um, and, and we had, we had put out some information to folks. It was like, Hey, have, have X, have Y with you when you're moving. And, you know, I was actually, I was, I was really disappointed 
you know, we live in the world of social media, and so anybody can get on and read a thread. And, and I was really disappointed in that there were more than a few people that got on there that said, I don't need anything. I've got a Glock, and I'll just take what I need. And it, but it, it really, I think it really uh, showed the point of when, when we live in society or the society that we live in right now, there's a, there's a thin line between savagery and civility that exists that's out there. When somebody's hungry or somebody is trying to provide for themselves or their family, they will, they will go to worst case scenario to make sure that they're not the ones suffering to take from somebody else to provide for themselves. And, and the problem, you know, and really the disheartening thing to me was there were people that were already putting that together as their plan where they're like, I don't need to carry anything because I've got a gun and I'll just take what I need along the way. And it's, and so with people when they're, when they're going through and they're planning, we, we really see a, a reduction or a lack of planning for self-defense. Now, whether, whether that's a gun or pepper spray, or whatever that is, that's with a person or, you know, or whether, you know, mixed martial arts, whatever. But we, we really, that's probably first and foremost, one of the deficits that we see with folks is they don't have a plan to protect themselves and protect their family members um, from p- potential and probable threats that are going to exist while they're moving. And again, you know, well, our, our, my good buddy, as he was, you know, he evacuated Tampa during the, um, during the hurricane. And um, it was interesting where he said, you know, the, the gas was running out and gas stations were closed and people were lined up and he could see some places. He, he had a car that got great gas mileage and he could see some people in the gas stations yelling and starting to get disgruntled. The police were trying to uh, control the situation. Now it wasn't, it wasn't a full blown riot. I'm not trying to paint that picture, but, but really it, it doesn't take too much. It's a very small spark to ignite that fire. And then once it goes, you know, where, where does it end? So I think first and foremost that the thing that people run into is they're not prepared for self-defense. And that's a, that's an equipment issue. That's a mindset issue. And then of course, that's a physical fitness issue. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up the mindset part of it also because even just recognizing that people can turn that way I think is a big shock for most people that are living, you know, behind the white picket fence and you know you're paying your taxes and all that stuff. Like I had an Uber driver one time I think I was down in Florida, and uh, he was Puerto Rican and I was asking him if he had family back in Puerto Rico and he said yeah I said so how are things going over there with the um you know with recovery and he's like what recovery he's like people will go to the to the gas station waiting for the fuel truck to come in. And they get held, there's, they're, they get held up with an armed robbery while you're there in line for gas. And he said, it's just basically, it's accepted now because there's no law and order. So, and that's not just, I mean, that doesn't just happen like in Puerto Rico or in, in other nations that we might not see as, you know, as, as thriving as the United States is or something like that. But that is an advanced, I mean, it's, it is a populated, you know, advanced society, if you will, and it breaks down very, very quickly. I think you're right. People aren't really prepared for that. Okay, we've been talking with Jeff Kirkham of ReadyMan.com about overcoming the biggest mistakes most people make when preparing for a forced bug-out evacuation scenario. Now, we have a lot more coming up for you, including deciding on where to bug out to and when to plan, how to actually get to your bug-out destination, 
And finally, lessons from the battlefield on what you should and shouldn't have incorporated into your bug out bag gear. All that and more coming up, but first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're talking with Jeff Kirkham of ReadyMan.com about real-world tactics for prepping your bug-out action plan. So let's go ahead and jump back into our interview now. Now, Jeff, over and over again, we've told our readers and our listeners that they can't just bug out without a place to go to. And you've brought this up as well. So you've, you've got to have a destination in mind or otherwise you're just another refugee in the storm. So what are some of the ways that I can prevent myself and my family from becoming a refugee when the spit hits the fan and it's a forced evacuation scenario? You know, that's a great scenario. And I think a lot of times people confuse bugging out uh, with some cataclysmic event and, and allow me to illustrate. I've got a, I've got a buddy of mine that I worked with. He works for a nonprofit organization where they, they uh they rescue kids um from slavery um in, around the world this phenomenal organization so he was he was actually he was in a foreign country and as luck had it um you know or bad luck had it he had a home invasion that happened with him and his fiance at that time two men armed with uh machete and a uh, butcher knife and um, in the ensuing attack, he lost one or two of his fingers, um, got stabbed multiple times or cut multiple times. But he was still able to get to medical treatment and to the law enforcement because he had pre-planned his bug out plan. So when when we start talking about a bug out plan, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a flood or tornado, a um, uh, you know, alien apocalypse. In this case, he simply, it was the case of where they had tried to do a, a robbery, uh, you know, a home invasion or this place that they were staying, but he had pre-planned his bug out where he had identified where the local law enforcement was. He had identified where the local medical care was, and he had prepared his vehicle in such a way that um, he could get there. So, for example, here he is, like literally was caught in bed in his underwear 
and then was fighting for him and his fiance's life. Um, and in the process was able to fight off these attackers, physical fitness mindset. And then after he had fought off these attackers, the vehicle he was in, it was a squirrely driveway. If he'd had to have backed out, well, his girlfriend, because he was missing two fingers at this point, or they were barely being held on, he would not have been able to make it out there driving backwards, but because he always backed in so that he was prepared. And prior to that, because they had identified where the local law enforcement and medical care was, they were able to drive straight there. So, I think a lot of times when people think about bugging out, it, it, they think, well, th- um, this is going to happen in case, you know, the Russians invade the United States or there's a nuclear bomb that goes off from North Korea. And it's like, no, it, it could be something literally as simple or as horrific as a home invasion where you save yourself and your lives, your family, but somebody is wounded that you care about. And you've got to get to the hospital or to higher care. And that's where I'd put out, it's like, how many of you folks that are out there, and hopefully all of you, but how many folks of you out there or know somebody out there that don't know where medical care is? I mean, are you going to stand there and wait for the ambulance and however long it takes for them to get there? Or are you going to load up this person that's injured? and get to the hospital even faster so that you can render care. And then taking that a step further, how many people know how to do that first aid that is so essential in a case like this? Because that's all part of bugging out, too. You've got to make it to your bug out location. And it doesn't matter if that's a hospital because you've been the you've been the victim of a crime all the way up to some cataclysmic event that has happened in your area. So is there any, um, I mean, you're, you're right. And, and, um, I wonder for those people that are thinking about, like, if my home is no longer safe and I have to go there, let's, let's kind of ramp up the, uh, the threat level a little bit. And people have decided, okay, whether I'm in the, the path of a disaster or whether it's been an extended disaster and things are heating up in my area, I might be in a more urban area or something like that. And most people might be thinking, well, I'm going to grab my bug out bag, throw it on the car. I'm going to head off to the wilderness or I'm going to head off to grandma's house down the road. They, that, that plan as non-existent as it might be, what, what are, are there any general guidelines you have for how far away people should plan for safety or how close or especially given the threats that might be in the area or on the way to safety? Absolutely. So, You know, here in Utah, I I mean, we live essentially, I mean, emergency preparedness is part of the culture here um, with the local, you know, with the Mormons and stuff. I mean, it's very much part of the culture. And so your initial, your initial bug out location, if it's not family or friends, it's the local church or, and there's churches all over. So there's a, there's a level of government inside of the government. It's not, I mean, it's not government. That's kind of harsh, but there's a, there's a place where people can assemble, where neighbors and community will help each other out. So that exists, like, intrinsically here in Utah. But what what I like to tell people is we look at bugging out in, in concentric rings. So you've got bugging in, where essentially your home is your castle, and you stay there if you can, because then you don't have to carry anything with you. Then the next level is your vehicle. Because why would you start on foot if you could drive? That doesn't make any sense. So that next level would be your vehicle. And your vehicle has got your 
everyday carry for your vehicle, your vehicle EDC, but then it also has those uh, materials and tools that you need that you can throw into your vehicle. They may be bulky, they may be heavy, but it doesn't matter because you're moving inside this vehicle with you and your loved ones. And remember, loved ones all of a sudden change what a bug out plan could be. I mean, I've got young boys, I've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old that are on there. So guess what? Part of my bug out plan is the red wagon that sits at my house because those little guys, they're only going to walk so far and then they're going to stop. And if you've got to keep moving, then you're going to have to put them in the wagon. You're going to have to keep moving. So vehicle is the first line. And then after that, we go to typically is a two-wheeled. Uh, um, the next concentric ring is the two-wheeled vehicles, which would be a motorcycle possibly or a bicycle that you can that you can pedal and keep moving with that so that you can gain distance. We're all about gaining as much distance as possible because the thing that differentiates you from everybody else is you're getting away from the threat. Distance equals safety. You get further away from the threat, whatever that is, whether that's a mob or that's Mother Nature with mudslides or a flooding, you've got to be able to get away from that. And then, of course, after the two-wheeled means – or uh, or the cart means, then you've got the foot, and that's where you know you've got to make sure you've got the not only the right foot gear, but the right foot gear that you have used, you've practiced with, and then also the knowledge of how to take care of your feet, because you could have two hundred dollars solo boots, but if you've never used them and you give yourself a blister, guess what? When your feet are bleeding, you're not going to walk very far or very fast and you're losing that time advantage that you need to get away from the threat. And so that's where understanding of how to take care of your feet and using the equipment that you have so that you know it. It's not just cool stuff that you bought and threw in a bag and forgot about, but it's stuff you use. And, and so that's where we we really encourage people. It's like go on weekend camping trips with your family. One, get your butt off the couch so you're out there doing stuff, so you're creating that that physical activity to keep yourself healthy to your building community because you're out there with your family as well as you'll probably bring some friends with you as well. Three, camping really like that is just a dry rehearsal to bugging out because you get used to, I need this, 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 and this so that I can go out camping for the next three or four days out in the mountains or wherever it is that I'm going to go. And then four, it, it's a learning experience because every time you go, you, every time you go camping, with your family, you learn little things about camping that you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have learned unless you were out there experiencing it, uh, yourself or with your family. And then it also, it gets your family, if you have little ones, it gets them in tune or acclimatized to what the situation is going to be. So then all of a sudden when they're living in a tent, they're having a fun time, but it, instead of like, oh, junk we're living in a tent this this stinks now all of a sudden it turns it into something that is less stressful because stress equals exhaustion exhaustion equals death yeah good points yeah i have this um i know there's a saying out there like embrace the suck and uh i did a an interview once with a friend of mine uh Stu smith who was a, a former for, uh, navy seals instructor and um you know, we basically said, seek the suck, like put yourself in situations where you do, you know, you are going to go outside your comfort zone, bring your family outside your comfort zone. It doesn't need, doesn't need to be like you, you bring them to Antarctica and just shove them out there in an igloo, but just, just little things outside of the comfort zone can make a big difference in alleviating the stress because it's not a new experience when they, when they might have to, you have to use it for a real thing. 
So, so listen, we've talked about like where to go and how to get there now, which is great because most people don't think about that. You know, most people think get in the vehicle or put the, the bug out bag on your back and they don't think about like an alternative means of transportation that you can use if your car is no longer going anywhere or anything like that. But I, but let's talk about when it comes to actually putting that backpack on your back and that's the last you've got to get as far away as you can or get to safety where it's the, it's worst case scenario. It's you and your bug out bag. And I know in, in 10th Mountain, we had a saying where we said travel light, freeze at night. And we did exactly that. Many times both things. We always traveled light, but we also froze at night. And you seem to, I've read, I've read a lot of your stuff and you seem to have that same ultra light philosophy when it comes to putting together your gear for a bug out bag. So what do you see as the most effective ways of dropping critical pounds off of survival gear that someone is normally looking, like from what they normally you see out there is what they're packing or, or how they're preparing their bag and what you think is just absolute garbage that should not be in there that will greatly alleviate the uh, the weight that they'll be carrying. You know, I think I think one of the first things that people can do is they can look at the actual pack that they have themselves. So, like so many times, you know, guys want to buy you know tactical Molly packs and and uh, that are made out of thousand denier cordura and they've got you know webbing that's all over the place. And the reality is, you're, you're starting with like five or eight pounds before you've even put anything inside of that pack. And in some cases, some of those packs are like 10 pounds all, all by themselves. And so in every pound, we, we used to like to say that pound, ounces are pounds uh, when we are moving around. So like the early days of the war when we were, you know, when we were relatively inexperienced going in and moving for long periods of time, we, we used to carry a whole bunch of stuff that we were like, man, I may need this, I may need this, I may need this. And so we were, we were weighed down heavily. And then as kind of as the war progressed, man, we, we started shedding weight wherever we could because we realized you know, pretty quickly that it was, hey, I, I can't have two magazines stacked in front of my chest, all across my chest, and climb over walls because all of a sudden I've got this huge amount of bulk that's sticking out in front and padding and body armor and all this junk. So we, we'd find ways that we could cut weight and even if it was even if it was just ounces or half ounces man that stuff added up so 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 fast and then the other thing was is bulk so you could have something that's as light as a pillow but if it takes up a whole bunch of space you still got to maneuver that thing around through narrow doorways and alleys and through holes and in vehicles and so it really becomes a uh, a time consumption and as well as a management consumption where you really don't have to worry about it. So, you know, from 2003, I was, you know, I got to the Middle East in 2002 to get ready for the invasion of Iraq. And then I, my last, you know, my last trip over there was uh, 2013-ish. And, um, boy, I, I drastically changed the way that I did business. You know, I just had single magazines on the front, and then everything that wasn't essential went into a very, very small backpack that was in, on my back um, with just the essential stuff. It was to the point even we didn't even carry food um, um, and, and even worrying about having to go into an E&E thing. We carried um, power gels um, with caffeine, and uh, it was like, well, all we need is a little bit of substance. We need calories to keep moving in water. And so we, we, when we'd go out on targets and stuff, we didn't carry, um, MREs and food like that. We'd carry five, six packets of, uh, you know, of gels 
because we knew that we were going to go from point A to point B and be done with it. So a very small water filter, um, enough water to handle us over, and that was pretty much it. You know, and then the rest of it was extra ammo, extra explosives, uh, you know, some medical gear, some foot fix gear, um, caffeine for energy so that you could keep moving in the worst case scenarios and uh, some water and, and gels. And that was about it. And so we, we, by the end of, you know, by the last half or so of the war, we'd, we'd gotten pretty streamlined in the way that we were doing business because we knew we had to be able to move. Yeah. Awesome, man. This is a uh, really great information. I mean, I, this is the kind of like real world stuff that our people need to keep hearing to reinforce like what reality is like. I think too many, too often people go out on the internet looking for information that's put out there by people that are just regurgitating stuff that they read out of, you know, the zombie apocalypse guide or something like that. And, 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 but this is a really good uh, call to not only learn from like your experience, but also to go out there and everybody that's listening, create your own experiences. Like Jeff was saying, like take, Take it and use a camping trip as a dress rehearsal or use Friday morning or Saturday morning as a dress rehearsal. Go ahead and put that bug out bag on and plan for just five miles and then 10 miles and feel what that pack is like. You know, are there friction points uh, on your feet or do you know how to take care of your feet for that long? It's just there's things that you only learn from experience. Uh, better to learn from somebody else's, but you've still got to get out there and do it yourself. So Jeff, I really appreciate all of your input and everything helping us to tap, allowing us to tap, really tap into your history and, and the experience that you've had in the military as well. So, so awesome. Listen, everybody, this is, um, this is only a taste of what you can get from Jeff and the entire team that he's put together over there at Ready Man. It's a, it's a really great site. Um, I've been a member of their, of their site for a while now and, uh, it's just first class training based on experience. So definitely go check it out. Again, it's over at www dot readyman.com and until our next modern combat sort of broadcast this is jeff anderson saying prepare train and survive this has been modern combat and survival we hope you've enjoyed the show you can help us out by rating our podcast on itunes and leaving a comment you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.